بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والآقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جاءته سهلة وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلة اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Good to see you guys again um, after, how long? Behave yourself, cheeky guy. Gasme, unbelievable. Not long, that's not long. Three weeks. It wasn't three weeks. Behave yourself for three weeks. Where'd you get three weeks from? Is it? Oof. SubhanAllah. No problem. Okay, so, um, so we are. Uh, going to be covering quite a bit today, inshallah, if all goes well. And um, then we also have some nice news at the end as well. And we also have a few announcements as well. So let's get started. What I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we covered, no pun intended, <laughs> the covering of the aura and the... Um, in the case of when it's been like, you know, you've got nothing. Yes? Handkerchief. Handkerchief. And that was the last thing that we said, yeah? That the backside is the one which is... Did, did, I, did I... I said that, yeah? Alright. So basically, last piece of text, as if you just put it onto lesson notes. So the last piece of text was... Uh, I think وَمَنْ وَجَدَ كِفَايَةَ عَوْرَتِهِ سَتَرَاهَا وَإِلَّا فَالْفَرْجَيْنِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَكْفِهِمَا فَالدُّبُرِ Is that what you guys remember? Is that what you guys remember? Yeah? And so that would then be... And so whoever... Just bring it down, Shaz. And that would be then... If one finds that which is sufficient to cover their aura, they must cover it entirely. And if not, then at least the private parts must be covered. And if not, then just the backside. So just a quick summary again of that. And that is that if a person finds themselves in a scenario... Now, of course, all of this is a disaster scenario. Don't anyone think out there this is like, you know, some optional state. This is like, you know, you've been robbed of your clothes or you were on a ship and, you know, the, the ship was, you know, it was a shipwreck and... You know, you nearly drowned and you make it to the, you know, the shore or there's just some other disaster. And the point is, is that you and then in a minute, a group of people ha- are completely naked. You have no clothes. Okay. Now, obviously, uh, there are many things that are going through your mind. But whilst all those things are going through your mind, such as survival and shelter and this and that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's duties remain. Okay. And the salah needs to be completed. So if a person now is in this state and the salah is now upon them and the time has run out, okay? What does that person do? What does that person do? That's what this entire chapter is about and we can probably try and cover this today and maybe uh, next week as well. So the first scenario is, let's just deal with what the priorities are. And so if a person is able to find some clothes or cloth or leaves or whatever, okay, then they just cover what they have and uh, their aura and that's it, okay? And their aura, depending upon male or female, is going to be their entire body for the female, other than face, the hands, feet, etc. Or, if it's a male, then it is in between the belly button and to the bottom of the thigh, okay? 
and to the knee even better but bottom of the thigh so one piece of cloth tied around that would be what you would focus on let's say what you find is tiny then it's to try and then cover the private parts so for example if it was underpants that you found okay that's a tiny piece of cloth actually but it covers the the backside and the front part in both sexes completely so that's what you would do okay and then if you don't even have that so for example just a square piece of cloth then there was a discussion amongst the scholars should it be the front or should it be the back and um, in general pretty much all the scholars agreed that it should be the backside okay and the reason for that is simply because not because it is more shameful in actual fact as we argued last week i think that in especially in this culture actually in many cultures backside is not very shameful at all yeah well, it's not i don't say not shameful at all but i mean um even when you have children you don't treat the backside like you do the front side and then certainly as an adult likewise and in fact when it comes to just normal censoring and i don't want to use this culture as the standard because this culture has many problems with it but even this culture it recognizes nudity of different levels and the backside being shown in this culture of complete permissiveness and liberalism it understands that 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 the backside is the least level of nakedness in actual fact it will be shown before the watershed yeah 9 p.m. watershed on tv the backside does not apply it will come it will come in adverts and this and that and it will be shown on tv and there will be no major impact but frontal okay is a very serious thing so the women's breasts are the next more serious and then the women's uh, front private parts the next most serious and then the most serious are seen as the male private parts that's what culture uh, dictates and that's pretty much spread across the the board and likewise tv and and popular kind of media reflects that so then it's surprising then and i say that's across the culture that's across culture it's not just yani non muslims but that's muslims and all cultures so then why would that be that the backside is being emphasized here because in general in salah in the prayer it's quite easy to cover the front part without actually having a cloth so using the thighs and bending over being in ruku' being in sujood using the hands you are able to physically cover the majority of the front region for male and female okay i said this yesterday that for the a chest region arms and then but yeah it can be covered but the backside is difficult okay so that's why the backside has been given this priority however this might be academic it it might be academic because okay uh and now obviously this is in presence of something the next part now is now going to be discussing where there's nothing so you don't have a small cloth or a big cloth i want you to understand the next entire section in this light that we have nothing okay everybody so if shaz if you just bring it to the arabic um so the entire paragraph that we're going to be looking at is wan wajada kifayata awratihi sataraha wa illa fil farjain fa illam yakfihima fadubur within that wa in u'ira sutratan lazimahu qabuluha wa yusall wa yusalli al'ari qa'idan bil ima'i istihbaban fihima wa yakunu imamuhum wasatahum ويصلي كل نوع وحده فان شق صلى الرجال واستدبرهم النساء ثم عكسوا فان وجد ستره قريبه في اثناء الصلاه ستر وبنى والا ابتدا the translation of that uh, paragraph is 
So if one finds that which is sufficient to cover their awrah, an individual, then they must cover that awrah entirely. And if not, if it's not sufficient, then at least the private parts, both of them, must be covered. And if not, if it's even smaller than that, then just cover the backside. If someone is willing to lend him or her <coughs> that which will cover his or her awrah, they must take it. Okay? It is recommended for the one without clothes to pray sitting down and to gesture. Gesture meaning the ruku' and sujood. Okay? So they would not actually then leave the floor effectively. Okay? The imam prays in the middle of the line amongst them. And each gender prays separate from one another. If that is difficult, the men should pray whilst the women turn their backs to them and vice versa. Really you should say and then vice versa to indicate that it happens afterwards. Okay? If one, if one finds something close by to cover with, whilst in the middle of the prayer, they cover themselves and then continue with the prayer from where they left off. If it is far, however, then they restart the prayer. Okay, far meaning, as we're going to explain. Okay, guys? So there's, that's quite a big paragraph, actually. Um, and maybe I'm dreaming that we can cover it today, but I think we can, because it's really straightforward and simple stuff. There's not really too much difficulty about understanding this. So the first point then, and this is uh, discussed on page 184 then, okay, of the commentary. If someone lends something to him, if so, uh, what did I say? Yeah, if someone is willing to, I mean, that's an extra to the Arabic, but if someone's still willing to lend him that which would cover him, then it is an absolute yani, obligation that he must accept it. It's not a case of, ah, oh, you know what? You know, like when someone gives you satyani, you know, Dawood, you say, ah, oh, no, no, not today. I've eaten or whatever. And you start playing this little game kind of thing. Yeah? Right? Packs, packs do that. And they, they're they hungry, they want to drink and they want to eat and they want to have a cup of tea, but they say, oh no, no need for that. So you can't do that kind of messing about. Someone offers you the thobe, you're taking the thobe. Because you're naked. Yeah? And you've got to sort that out. So I'm just going to yeah, no messing about. But this is going to get really interesting. Okay? It's going to get interesting for two reasons. One, because of what Sheikh Hussain himself says. And two, actually because of the way that the author has stated this, he's actually kind of left a few loopholes. Okay? Well, a loophole, not technically, but yeah, and you will see. So, um, so the 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 sheikh then uh, says that when the author said "oir," "oir" means uh, that it's, it's someone someone is willing to lend it to him. It's passive, so the the person who's doing it has not been mentioned. Okay, so the point is, is whether this person's a foreigner, a stranger, a relative, your family, it doesn't matter. Muslim, non-Muslim. It is a simple situation. Someone is offering you clothes. You don't look to that person or their reality or who they are or you like them, don't like them. But they are offering you an opportunity to cover yourself. Okay. Now, he said, okay, Sheikh Uthameen now then adds a point. He says that the condition of this, the condition of, of taking this is that no harm is going to be caused to you. And there's going to be no, and a word is used, minna. Okay, now minna is an important word which I need to explain. First of all, harm. What do we mean by that? If this guy gives you like, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, like a robe of thorns. Yeah, I don't know, some sick kind of game or whatever, I don't know. Then obviously you're not going to say, yeah, I'll have that. 
right? And then cause yourself to be cut up and bled and whatever, whatnot. So that's, that's what I mean by harm. So it can't be something which is going to, you know, cause harm. But the word minna is interesting because there's no doubt this person is doing a great job, yani, whether it costs you money or not costing you money, but it's an incredible yani, gesture at the time you need it most. But as we know, okay, as we know, there's a very important thing in the sharia, or very important principle in the sharia, and that is that you don't let people take advantage of you. Okay? And what I mean by that is that, you know what, it's great that someone lends you something or gives you charity, but if you know that they're going to remind you of that for the rest of their lives, then to hell with them. Yeah, so that's something which is impermissible as we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah not to actually make yani, ibtal of your sadaqah okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns the people to not invalidate their charity by giving it and then following it up yani, with reminders of what you did so you give the charity and then you say I hope that yani, you enjoyed that yani, and you know I hope that you're grateful for what I gave you and I hope that because then you say I wish I never ever took anything from you because you do their best now isn't it yani, they regret it so much yeah, and they, they would say I wish I had never taken it because then the next time you see them they remind you next time you see them they remind you next time and so on and so forth and this is something well known and I gave a lecture about this as well uh, well rather I gave a portion of a lecture on this subject and it's called Raising the Game and you can find that on YouTube, okay? So, just keep that in mind. Now, what Sheikh Uthameen is now trying to argue is that if a person was to actually uh, uh, offer you this, you must take it without any conditions. And he's trying to say, well, that's not right. There are some conditions. One, it shouldn't harm you. Secondly, it shouldn't be one where you feel that there's a real threat that a person's going to humiliate you with, uh, for taking this forever and ever, okay? Now, I've got a problem with that. Okay, I've got a problem, and in fact, other scholars have got a problem with this as well. Because, number one, this idea of how you feel, and how another person makes you feel, and the potential for you being embarrassed, is all one, it's all speculation. Okay, and whereas what's in front of you is an obligation, and that is to cover yourself, okay, because you are naked. And it's not possible to even consider the prayer without fulfilling the condition of covering your nakedness. And so here, your potential fear of some kind of problem X, Y, Z, although I fully respect and understand Sheikh Uthameen's point, I do not accept it as valid. And Sheikh Muhammad Muqtara Shankiti, he used a different route. He said, as you know, we covered this before, a principle which some of the scholars didn't believe to be authentic entirely, but the majority of Asuli scholars, they said that the qaida fiqiyah, the maxim that is, that whatever is wajib that cannot be fulfilled except by something else, then that itself becomes wajib. Okay? Whatever obligation cannot be fulfilled except by doing something else, then it itself becomes obligatory. And people often give the example of wudu, and they say that salah cannot be prayed except by making wudu, therefore ablution becomes obligatory. That's the example they give, which is a very poor one because wudu is obligatory by itself. Although has already been commanded to, to be done by Allah already, it didn't need this secondary tertiary kind of evidence to establish it. However, the qaida the, the, the still applies. The maxim still exists and still applies. And here it would be a good example. It is obligatory to cover your aura. And the only way that you can cover the aura here is to take this yani from this guy. So it's obligatory for you to take it. And that obligation... And that strength of that obligation should override all of your potential fears of yani, oh, my best is going to be done, or there's going to be some issue and whatever and whatever. What so, yeah. What if it's not speculation? 
If it's not speculation, then then let me read to you what he actually uh, says. He says, uh, he says. In fact, let me just actually follow his entire uh, uh, line of thinking. He says the first thing that you need to know. He goes, first thing to, you need to know is the way that this person, the way that the author has worded this, it only allows for one person to offer you, to lend you something. He didn't mention a person giving it to you as a gift, and he didn't mention to it, you seeking and asking the person. So if there's a person next to you, because there's a difference between yani, someone who lends you something and isti'ara, which is that you ask for something to be given to you. So he says that... Um, uh, he said, Sheikh Uthameen said, that going by the humbly position is very clear. It's not obligatory for you to ask a person to, for the thawb. It's not obligatory for you to accept one if someone gives it to you. You see, this is getting a bit, you know, it's getting a bit extreme here and he defends himself by saying that the reason that this is um, the reason that he's happy to say that you should you don't need to accept the gift and you don't need to actually make the request is because actually the embarrassment in those two is even more <coughs> it's very interesting when he says that he goes the minna is azima he goes if you ask someone it basically is begging that's the way that he's seeing it if you're begging can you lend me a thaw please yeah then you're begging for that and if someone says hey listen it's a gift Basically, it's charity. You're taking charity of another guy. So according to basically Sheikh Uthameen, he's saying that all of these are scenarios where a person is going to become embarrassed. Okay? And as a, as a result of that, you are not obligated. He said, look, he said, the reason you're not obligated, and this is Sheikh Uthameen's argument, he goes, is that the wajib is gone from you anyway. He goes that the wajib to cover your aura has now fallen, and your state now is not the state of a normal person. You are ajiz. Yani you are uh, what's ajiz mean? You are, um, huh? Yeah, incapable. But there's linguistic meaning. But it technically means that that you are. Yani, you basically have an excuse. You are from the you are from an excused group of people. You are not a normal person who has normal full ability. So you don't get treated the same. So you do not now have to seek obligatory matters. In this state that causes you some kind of shame or difficulty, you already have an excuse. You are ajiz, meaning that if you pray like you are, then you're going to be okay. As I said, that's yani problematic. Because we have said that you have an opportunity to cover yourself and it will cause some kind of difficulty. Yes, but how much difficulty, how much shame, how much yani embarrassment, that is something which we don't know. And so therefore one should yani, proceed and ask for it and seek, uh, seek it and, <laughs> and, and take it and whatever it is, or however way it can be done, then it should be done. I mean, what he says, he goes, uh, he goes that's, that's why he said some of the scholars said that uh, a person who makes tayammum in the absence of water, okay, it is not obligatory upon him to actually ask for water from someone else. And others said, no, that's not the same here. Actually, for water, you do need to ask. But for a thobe, you don't need to ask. 
And the reason is because water is seen as a life source and very cheap and very basic and a person sees it, sees it as their absolute duty to give someone water. Whereas a thobe is far more expensive and there's far more embarrassment involved. Yeah, and I want to say that there's a lot of subjectivity in this point here and there's no evidences. Okay, so... In the end, Sheikh Uthameen says, وَعَلَىٰ كُلٍّ He goes, anyway, regardless of all what we've just been talking about, فَالْقَوْلَ الرَّاجِحِ فِي هَذِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ The strongest opinion, the preponderant opinion in this issue is that it is obligatory upon this person to get hold of something to cover himself by any means possible as long as there is no harm and there is no minna and there is no risk of someone really ruining your life as a result of it. Now, one thing I just want to say, I do appreciate his point. There is some fiqh there, you know? He is trying to... And I'll tell you something. Okay? I'll tell you something. Anyone who's been in this scenario, where you've taken some charity for someone and that person reminds you of it, you'd wish that you prayed naked. I'll tell you right now. You know what I'm saying? Because someone, when when he or she goes to that level, you know, bestie, personal humiliation, a lot of people have done far, far worse to avoid... Yeah, and a personal humiliation. It is a real major thing. So actually, I like the way that Shekhar is thinking. What I don't like is for us to assume that that's always going to happen in every scenario. So I think on a case-by-case basis, a person needs to consider it. And that's actually what Sheikh Uthameen himself says. He goes, so this is regardless, you'll try every means, whether that's by buying or selling, or by asking someone, or by accepting a gift, or by someone lending you, uh, whatever. All of this you try as best as you can, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَتَقُوا مَسْتَطَعَتُمْ Fear Allah as much as you can, so you try your best, and if you can get something, you can, if you can't, you can't. And this, these, these, and all people are, are obliged to cover their aura, and they do it according to whatever means they have. And he, and this is the point where he now gets into, you know, what I think is more real, realism on one on 186. He goes, the issue, to be honest, people differ in it, okay? Because sometimes you're asking uh, a person for something. It might be for you embarrassing, but for the one who's giving it, it's not embarrassing. And you're projecting your fear of embarrassment upon that person who really has absolutely no intention of trying to make you feel bad. But because you've been burnt before, for example, because you are fearful of something, you're projecting that upon that person. I think that's a very important point. That's the point I want to make. Okay? And... And in fact, he says, maybe this person is going to be very, very happy by you asking because he gets reward and he gets any opportunity to help you. Maybe it wasn't even his mind that he was going to make an embarrassment situation out of it. And that's true. Not all people must really think that they're all some, you know, the old dogs out there trying to basically destroy you and, and disgrace you. So anyway, Sheikh says, in his opinion, the correct opinion, that we should go by the general principle, and that is, that يجب على المصلي تحصيل السطر بكل طريقة ليس فيه ضرر عليه ولا غضاضة وهذه القاعدة قد يخرج منها ما ذكر. So basically he says that the basic position is that we should try every single possible means to cover ourselves, whether it's buying something, begging for something, borrowing something, taking something if it's offered, accepting a gift if it's been given. All of these, as long as there's no obvious harm to us, and as long as there's gonna, not going to be humiliation. He changes his now word from minna to ghadada. Yani, there's going to be a definite yani, cause for, for obvious humiliation. And I like that. And I think that's the working position. And that is in line with Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti as well, when he said that it's an obligation. Okay, there's no one who differs over the obligation. Okay? The next point then is, um, uh, وَيُصَلِّ الْعَارِ قَائِدًا بِالْإِيمَاءِ 
So if a person is now naked and he doesn't have any clothes, then he prays sitting down and uh, even if he's able to stand, so this is now not a person who's you know can't stand physically, but he chooses to sit down, okay? And he also makes some kind of gestures uh, because he's trying to minimize everything that he is displaying because he's naked. So every movement obviously shows more of his naked body. Whereas if a person is sitting down in this, in you know, in the salah manner, his backside's covered, pretty much his front is covered, and he doesn't move too much. He wouldn't make sajda, okay? Because going to sajda would then expose himself more. So that is this idea. But look at what the sheikh says. He said this is recommended. It is recommended. Meaning that he doesn't want to, the Hanbalis do not want to say that, uh, that you shouldn't stand up. But they're actually giving favor to sitting down. Now this is a problem. Okay? This is a problem because we now have a clash of two realities. Okay? The first reality we call the haqq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the right of God. Yep? And the second reality is the right of the person. My right. The right of the individual. Now... This is very important to understand. I mean, in LP, just across the board, not just Yani here. Because this, is again, is another qaida muhimma. It's a very important uh, fiqh maxim, a legal maxim. When you have these two rights, they all need to be preserved at all times until an emergency occurs. And in an emergency situation, we prioritize one over the other according to the scenario. What you need to know is that neither of the rights are less than the other. There is a right of the insan, and the right of insan is the right of me or the right of someone else, if, if, I, if my action is involving someone else, and it's the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, in a transaction that we're, we're making, so if I lend you some money and I want that money back, and I say that you must give me interest because it took two weeks or, what, or two years or whatever, okay, there are two things here. I am, I am violating your rights because I'm oppressing you, because I'm doing something which is now actually harming you. And I'm also oppressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he has prohibited upon all people to indulge in interest. So this is every single thing that we do has these two components. Yani either it involves a person's rights. Whether that's you alone or whether that is yani another party. And it involves his rights. In this scenario, a person praying naked likewise can be divided into two parts. The first is the right of Allah. And the right of Allah is that He has to be worshipped. So you need to pray to Him in the way that He has commanded. And that means bringing all of the normal actions, the normal obligations, the normal conditions, the normal pillars. But you also have a right. What's your right here? Tell me that. Not to be embarrassed. Not to be embarrassed. You also have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in insan, yani this, you know, what's the word? Um, shame, a sense of modesty, a set of sensitivities, and so on and so forth. And it wasn't like I made that, Allah made that. Right? And not only did Allah make that, He even said that yani, we've been created weak because of that. When He, when he said, when insan has been created weak, it's because of these emotions. It's because of this subjectivity, this fact that we think about things and we, 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 we to make decisions. If we were not having to make decisions and we were just given one simple straight yani, path and not having to worry about anything, it's not a weakness anymore, right? So, so a sense of modesty is actually a weakness, all right? It's actually a weakness in a way, 
Okay, so I just want to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put that weakness into us that we feel embarrassed. Okay, and so therefore, we need to now consider this. That's a right, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not an oppressor. Allah recognizes this. Okay, that sometimes when the, the slave has a particular right, then that needs to be respected as well as long as his right as well. Now, the scholars now have to discuss when these two rights clash. Who's then gets priority? Now that's not the right way of saying it. I should rather say, whose right is more flexible? That's probably the better way of saying it. Okay? And it will be yours. Uh, yours is more flexible. In that, when, when I say yours, meaning that yours takes precedence. Allah's right is more flexible. Allah's right is more easy. Not because yours is more important, but because Allah is most, more merciful. That's the reason. Okay, Because Allah is more merciful and more understanding and the one who created your own right in the first place, then He's the one who gives way. And so that's why we know when Allah has prohibited pork and Allah has prohibited alcohol and Allah has prohibited, for example, carrion, He allows all of these three and more to the person who is suffering and uh, starving because Allah created you weak, i.e. made you have to eat. That's weakness. Eating is weakness, isn't it? Strength would be not having the need to eat. Agreed? Strength would be not having the need to sleep. Agreed? It would not have the need to go to the toilet. Agreed? That's why, as we said before, when you look at Jannah and the description of the people in Jannah, all of these weaknesses are taken away. You do not need to eat, but you will enjoy it. You do not need to sleep, but you will enjoy it. You will not defecate ever again, which is the most amazing thing about Jannah, without a shadow of a doubt. Okay? So these are things which you are blessed with. Yani your human weaknesses and human problems are taken away. And either they're taken away entirely, if they are bad and they are yani, despise, despicable, or they are turned into pure sources of pleasure. In this dunya, it's not a source of pleasure. Okay? Even though we make it a source of pleasure, but it's not, in essence. It's their necessities. Yeah? But I don't want to get too philosophical. The point I want to make is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to basically... Defer his right, subhana, and you will now fulfill your own right of hunger and you will eat from the haram. So likewise here in this situation, your right is to not be humiliated, embarrassed in front of other people. Okay? And if you stand up to pray naked, you are really exposing yourself and it becomes really shameful and difficult to pray. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, 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 right is to be uh, worshipped in, in all scenarios in every single way. And so therefore, it could be argued that in this scenario, the person should pray sitting down to protect his right because Allah will forgive him. Okay? So this is one opinion of the scholars. This is one opinion of the scholars. And it's effectively what the madhab is done. The Hanbali school has basically said, this is the way that we're thinking. And a person is protected and feeling yani, much better and so on and so forth. However... We have another little problem. Here now, we have a clash of two other principles. We have a shart clashing with a rukan. Now listen carefully. A shart is a precondition. So this is to cover yourself is a precondition of the prayer. However, to stand, to bow, to, bow, to prostrate, these are arkan. These are pillars of the act of prayer. And a pillar is stronger and more important and always given precedence 
over a condition. And so that's why the position of Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, for example, okay, and a number of scholars, is that absolutely no way, absolutely no way, it is an obligation for this person to stand. An obligation. Whatever, regardless, doesn't worry. And there's, after, after giving this kind of uh, legal kind of basis, i.e., you're not allowed to sit down, because if you sit down, that means you preferred a conditional point over what is a integral rukan, a pillar. And that's not possible, because the pillar is more important, the stand is more important. So legally you have no basis, he would argue. Secondly, he would say that you are excused anyway. Yani, what are you worried about? Yeah? You're not going to be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're naked, not because you wanted to be, but because you had nothing else to cover. So what are you worried about? So stand anyway. And then third, he'll say, he goes, who are you ashamed of? Everyone else knows your reality. Or maybe if you're in a group of other people, yani, who are also naked, then he'll say, everyone's all the same. Anyway. Okay? So we get that argument. We get that point. Sheikh Uthameen, he also, to be honest, supports this position. I'm going to be honest, he supports it as well. He says a person should stand, and it's not a major issue when everyone is yani, in, that, in, that, in that position, and so on and so forth. I've got to say to you that I've got a problem with this. Yep. I think that a person yani, displaying uh, this when there's already a precedence yani, for sitting down in the prayer when there's extreme fear or extreme kind of shame or extreme kind of situation, when there's a precedence already there, um, when a person is ill, they're allowed to sit down, etc., 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 then to, dis- to expose your aura in a scenario yani, like that, I don't think, yani, in my opinion, Allah knows best, that it is, uh, uh, you- you're going to be obligated to go by this. I have to say that that's the case. And Sheikh Uthaymeen also, by the way, he does mention a few things. He does say that the author did not mention what the scenario is about standing up and sitting down. He goes, if it's dark, or if it's or for your, if you're completely by yourself, and so on. And so the class position is going to be a slight variation of what Sheikh Uthaymeen's position is, which is what? That conditionally speaking... A person should stand in the prayer because it's obligated, even if he is naked. Unless that person feels it's impossible to do so because of exposing his aura and embarrassment being a huge level. So there's no doubt that if it's complete darkness, this person should stand up and pray. Or, Sheikh Al-Thami mentions, if a person is completely by himself, isolated in some way, then he should stand up and pray. And he says, if you're in front of a person where there is no shame whatsoever, like your wife, for example, then you should stand up and pray. And I agree, I agree with this position. And that's the class position. The class position is that a person must stand and pray. Must stand. It's not acceptable to say it is recommended to sit down. I say, as Sheikh Uthameen says, it's obligatory to stand and pray, regardless of your nakedness, unless you are in front of other people and is that you know it is going to be a real embarrassment? Then it's okay for you to sit down. But if you're by yourself, or in front of your wife, in front of your husband, in front, uh, it's complete pitch black outside. You're in a you're in a room or whatever. Then you know what? You better stand up and pray because that's obligatory, and you have no excuse to sit down. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he said, وَهَذَا الْقَوْلُ أَقْرَبُ الْأَقْوَالِ إلَى الْحَقِّ because it, and this is the most closest to the truth because it combines between the haq of Allah and the haq of the individual. And uh, I think that's good. So he, he, he's come back down to that. The next point then, 
imamahum wasatahum. So now we're talking about a group of people who are naked. Alright? And now they need to pray. We have an imam. Where should the imam stand? Now the imam comes from amam, to be in front of someone. Alright? And the Prophet ﷺ said, That the imam has been placed to be followed. And a person who follows when he's in front. So by all intents and purposes, a person has to be in front. And there are some scholars that said that that must continue because it's an obligation for the imam to stand in front. Here we'll say there's a difference. The clash of the values now is not of the same value as the clash before. So the clash of the fact that we have the right of the imam, because he is all shame as well at the end of the day. He's an individual who wants to protect his own aura or whatever. And him going right in front of a person. Now the problem of him being alone out there is that everyone then sees him. Whereas if we say, let's now go easy on the right of having to go forward and cancel that in, in, to be in line with everyone so that the aura is protected, that's what the Hanbali have said and that's what we say as well. Okay, That is better for him. He does not yani, ruin his entire prayer. We put a condition in. The condition is, is that the person does actually still, even though they're in the middle, they still go forward a little bit. And when I say a little bit, it can just literally be a few cent- a centimeter or two. But to indicate that this person's an imam. But you see, that's what you think we do normally. Yani, what this point and what this, what the fiqh behind this particular point indicates, that we take this small room issue so lackadaisically. That's the point. Yani, where there are some scholars, just so that you understand, I'm just question. Yani, why wouldn't we do this? We do it all the time when we are, you know, in a, in a small gathering or whatever. We put the people on the other side of the imam and he stands in between them, whatever, whatnot. And I'm saying that shows just how ignorant we are of the fiqh. We take it so easy. Here we have a naked imam and the scholars are kind of saying, no, he still has to go and stand in front of the people because he's an imam. That's how strict this issue is. Okay? And, uh, but as we, as we said, the correct position is that the no... He prays in between them. He's allowed to do that to protect his aura. And in the case of when there is no room for people to pray in a particular area, then it is permissible for them to pray on the right hand and left hand, although many scholars said it's not. And they should just not... I mean, their their position is very strong, by the way. Because they will just say, so what? They don't pray with the imam. Let them wait. Then they come and and pray afterwards. Why are you ruining the title of Imam? How is he uh, yani, how is he an Imamukum as an Imam when you are praying in the same line? Okay? So I'll be honest with you. The position of always insisting that a person should just bring all the people in and let them pray here, it's a weak one. It's one which is more built out of emotion and the fact that we feel kind of like bad towards people who didn't get in. Which is weakness to be honest. Who cares if they didn't get in? If you come late, you're late. Sah? Right? We have that principle. I, I, I will mention this point. We are a bit liberal when it comes to that. A bit soft. Yeah? The Prophet ﷺ, he made it very clear in Jum'ah, for example. It's not permissible to climb over, as the Prophet ﷺ said, the necks of your brothers and sisters. Okay? Because you will see a space in the front. If you come to the back, okay? Not that I'm an expert in that. <laughs> Maybe I'm the master of it. Beyond the end of that, I'm actually the master of that. But I'm also the master of this position as well. I'll stay back as well. You'll see people who come to the back, you'll see lots of spaces. You'll see, four. you know what? That's good enough for me, that. But to get there, it's going to have to be one of those Indiana Jones jobs. Dodge through the cannonball 
go over this, that, little hop skip from there, jump onto the one that doesn't move, blah de blah, and then you get there. But what you've done is that you've really irritated a whole lot of folks. I mean, really irritated. And the Prophet said, you're not allowed to do that. Okay? So, and so here's the point. You get what you deserve. Everything, subhanAllah, if you look at the Sharia, it's all about you get what you deserve. The Prophet Sallallahu he said that the people who pray at the front are the best people. The best people by their indication are the ones who get there early. The Prophet Sallallahu said that the, the people who are sh- shaded on the day where there is no shade other than the shade of the throne of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala are those that stay in the masjid between the prayer times. So they're always going to guarantee their place in the front row. At the same time, he said it's impermissible for a person to block off a particular place and always only pray in one particular place as he says they're on. No one owns a space. All right, you're not allowed to do that kind of behavior where you block off your and you put your coat down and leave it there for the next year, day or so. <laughs> you get people doing that, I swear. Ramadan, huh? Ramadan, whatever. Listen, listen, listen. You know when people do that, that's disgraceful. But when a person sat there all day, bear respect to the brother. Bear respect, because you know he wants to go to the toilet since twelve o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and he is sitting there and he's got his legs not just the ani crossed. But wound around his neck and the back again. Yeah? And he was mad for that position. He's mad for that position. and he's, So I'm saying that our, our deen recognizes that a person gets... The Jum'ah, the Prophet ﷺ said, the, a reward of the person yani, who comes first is yani, like the sacrificing or the slaughtering of the uh, camel and then the, then the cow and then, and then the miskin comes at the end. You guess, sir? Under. <laughs> Which in all international yani, <laughs> cultures is nothing. And in cricket, as you know, getting an under is a pure bestie, isn't it? It's a duck at the end of the day. And if you get a duck, that's it, it's all over. So I don't know why people... And subhanAllah, if you got a duck in cricket, you'd have your bestie done. And people don't feel their bestie done getting a duck yani, at, at the door of Jum'ah. You can, you can copyright that, by the way. Don't yani, dare you quote me without, quote, quote without mentioning my name. That's a sick line. People, they get bestie at a duck in the cricket, but they don't get bestie at a duck in the, in the, in the masjid. No, that's a wicked line, Yara. It's a wicked line. You just need a bit more drama. I need to, I need to I polish need to it. I need to rephrase it. Once I work on it, it'll be wicked, Yara. No one likes a duck. Good it's a good concept, man. We can make one of those memes out of that. I could become famous. I could become like the Yasmin Mujahid. I could. Maybe not. <laughs> right, okay. So, um, so, therefore, the idea here then is that a person always... Yeah, and it shouldn't just feel that I have the right to pray with everyone, to be the front, to be this, that, whatever. And that maybe then when there is no space, the people wait outside and there's a second jama'ah. But because of yeah, our misunderstanding of Islam, it's always, no, no, get everyone in and you know whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's not right. And you can see just from the reluctance of the imams to even consider a naked imam to pray by himself, and he, uh, to pray in the line and push him forward, then you see how important the issue is. Anyway, regardless... It is the correct position that he prays in the middle of the line. It's something which has already been established by the fiqh for women. There is a precedence for it. We do have this idea that people stand in different positions and to be in line is something which is not completely strange. However, as I said, there should be some small little indication that a person is slightly ahead just so that it's yani clear. Okay? Um, yeah. It might be an obvious question. Let's just say there's a you know you've got one cloth. There's ten people. The, the whole congregation goes out of the, out of, you know out of the window and everyone prays individually with one cloth. 
So basically one cloth that could cover all ten. No, well, it covers one person. Well, one person. Yeah. Yes. So, so no, you're saying, Yani, no what should happen? Now everyone takes a turn and uses the cloth and uses the Quran and prays. That's a fiqh as well, isn't it? Yep. One person finds something. Does that would you give that to the Imam? Do they take it and does, would you not just scrap the congregation and everyone pray the individual one at a time? I, 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 that, that would one hundred percent be my ruling. Okay? Just so just so just so that I'm very clear and I is in the complete absence of any, any, any cloth. So only the first part talks about the potential existence of a cloth. So we have to, yani, all of the scenarios right now, we proceed thinking there is no cloth. So this question doesn't basically arise. Now it would be another scenario. All of this now in the presence of a cloth, it, I, I don't think that there's any doubt that a person would move to this as long as what? Obviously, any condition? No, no. That's obvious. We've done that. What's the, what's the obvious problem of everyone praying yani, on time? So, as long as the time is not going to thingy. If the time is going to, then it's back down to a scenario where we make a decision, then, and then it'll be an ishtihad. We give the imam the cloth, put him forward, and then we will stay behind, kind of thing. Or whether we do X, Y, and Z, we get a few people in, individual. Yeah, and that's when it starts to get thingy. But if there's plenty of time, we're at the beginning of the prayer time, and there's only 10 people, then yes. You know, scrap the jama'ah, we've got one cloth. Let's yani, you know, keep just rotating it around for a person to cover as much as possible. But even that, I just want to make it clear, all right, is, yani, is not agreed upon. When you go deep into this issue, it really starts to do you nothing, okay? Because it gets philosophical. Because then it starts to move into the area of, yani, understand this now. If I get a cloth, okay, Remember that I'm not obligated to cover my awrah just in the prayer. I'm obligated to cover my awrah outside the prayer as well. I've got my cloth and you ask me for it. I'm saying to you, bro. <laughs> I'm saying, bro, you need to just be looking somewhere else. I'm keeping this. Now, all you lot might say, what the heck? Yeah, we had an agreement, right? And I'll say, you had an agreement. Okay, before I was thinking straight, now that I'm wearing it, I am now realizing that I am obligated to continue wearing this. Right, I'm just showing you how some scholars have mentioned this point. I'm obligated to continue wearing this. It's haram for me to expose, expose my aura. It's covered right now. You are forgiven for everything that you are doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have one. Now... I do not have to make my situation a disaster in order to make you whatever you will be upgraded to. Because what will you be upgraded to? You're not sinful even right now. This all occurred to you after taking the film. Well, obviously, you keep something silent, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Until you get hold of the of the of the situation, Yani, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can see this, and that's why I said to you that it gets philosophical, all right? Because this is the same scenario as, um, 
I think I discussed this well not in this class but in fiqh salah when I when I when I teach the weekend version the double weekend version that if you are um, there's a gap in the front line of the prayer yeah and we said that the best thing that anything can anyone feel uh, anyone can feel is the gap in the prayer line and you're in the second one and then you say to someone else go ahead is that right is that permissible is it whatever Okay, there's a big discussion around that. First of all, because they said it's obligatory to fill gaps. Okay, they said if something's obligatory, then it's got to be filled. You do not have the right to then say, yeah, you know what, you go ahead. Like, like you get the reward instead kind of thing. Right? Like another scenario. Let's say that you are in, oh, this is a, yeah, this is a good example. This is a favor of mine in actual fact. We've got the old classic front line, one line of prayer, completely full. Next man walks in late. Yeah? He stands in the middle of the, sec- of the second line all by himself. So you know what these Arabs do, don't you? Yeah, you've seen them, right? They, well, they used to tap. Some of them are even that cheeky that they'll find some random one in the line and pull them back. Because they heard that the Prophet ﷺ said that do not pray, don't do that again, is the hadith actually. And that's what he said, don't do that again. To who? To a person. This is a fascinating hadith. Obviously not a time for it now, but in, in summary, person came to the masjid late, and he came to the saf, and he stood by himself in the saf. Okay? And the Prophet ﷺ said, don't do that again. And so scholars took that meaning that a person should not pray alone in a row. However, this is a mistaken understanding, because in actual fact, what the person did before that was to... Uh, Make takbir, go into ruku'ah and walk to the prayer line. And even that is some discussion. Some scholars even allow that as well. And there's a lot of fiqh behind this. The point is, is that a person intentionally should not pray by alone by themselves. But if he turns out to be that was the case, then he prays. However, many scholars, they said that because of this hadith, you are allowed to take measures to ensure that you do not be that person praying alone by themselves. And the sensible ones, without disrespect to anyone else, but the sensible ones amongst them would say, let that person go into the line and basically push in. Okay? And everyone will move across. And we have a hadith which supports that. The Prophet ﷺ said that the best of you are those who are softest of shoulder. Those who make way and you know, squeeze up themselves and allow their brother in. And that's what should happen. But these guys took it next level and they pulled someone out. Now... I mentioned to you guys, or if I didn't mention to you before, but I will mention to you now, that there's a narration where someone did that to Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, and he turned around and he lamped that guy straight in the face. One time. Just bosh. Just drop the guy. That's the way it's got to be done. What the heck are you doing? I'm in the front line, in the middle of my prayer. What's your problem? Just pray. You don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to have someone else be pulled out. They don't deserve to be downgraded. You're, you're okay. Just pray, that's it. You're not punished. Yeah, you, you're, not, you're not in any scenario here. You came late. Okay. You didn't intentionally pray by yourself. Okay. Carry on praying. It's okay. But now you want me to, you're going to ruin my prayer, disturb me in my prayer, pull me out of the front line, and let me come back. Not happening, bro. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that's what you should do. Although I've got to tell you something, bro. I've been close to that behavior. So far, no one's taken anyone. They've tried and they've felt my shoulder go hard because 
I've just said don't yani don't touch me again then you know, no one's taking it any further but that would be point next point yani next move just to teach a lesson because it's, it's, it's disgraceful to that, that action but it goes back to this point that we were talking about that there's a person who is doing what they should be doing another person is now doing what they should be doing does not obligate me now to decrease my state in order to help a person who has no problem in their state it's the same as this example. If you are naked and I've got enough cloth to cover myself, I'm not obligated to give it to you. Do you get what I'm saying? Allah knows best. You know one thing that reminds me of? You know the hadith about one companion giving the water to the other companion, giving the comp- water to the other companion, each one dying along the way? Yes? I have some major doubts about this narration. And I hope that yani, no one proves it to be... Yani, Absolutely authentic. I think that the narration in Bukhari is not as clear as this one. And something that I've always been saying to myself, I need to do a study of that hadith and understand exactly what's going on. Because even if it is indeed in Bukhari and this is the text, then what I would then expect to see is the Prophet ﷺ not endorsing this behavior. You get what I'm trying to say? Not endorsing. Huh? Well, the narration is that there was a... Why don't we find it, and as opposed to me guessing the text? Because I already have doubt on it, and I'm already not happy with it, without Yani allowing me to run wild shot, Yani, yeah. Huh? I, I, I can't... Even, 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 even I will put to you... If I, even I will put so many things to you, but... You just made my screen go blank, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so back to that point. I don't think that a person gives that thob and passes it on, or if he does, what the ruling is on that. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I'm covered up now, I'm not uncovering myself for another person who Allah has forgiven. Yes. Yes. It's got to be, it's got to be, yani, it's got to be something, yani, real. It's also like a concept of favor, like, you know, like, okay, I know this guy is elderly or the back or... I think that's okay. In the favor sense of... But I think it really starts to get a little bit... Too far, yeah. Yeah, you've just got to be just a little bit careful. But, you know, if anyone, anyone finds that hadith, I'll be, very, I'll be very interested to look into it. I've, for a long time, I've been thinking, I'm not positive about that hadith at all. Yes. How would you go about looking into hadith and studying finding? Oof, oof. What a question. What a question. I mean, the first thing, of course, yani, when you when you look into a hadith is to make sure you mean to actually not you don't mean physically find it. You mean to, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So your question is is the, what I understand is that is to is to establish whether it's authentic or not, and that's the most important thing. Okay, and when we say authentic, there's two parts to that. One whether it fulfills the external characteristics of it being an authentic hadith, okay? And then two, then seeing yani, how serious an authentic hadith it is. If a hadith is in Bukhari or in Muslim, okay, then that pretty much has escaped all of your attempts and human attempts at trying to make it weak yani, from an intellectual point of view. It's not in any way a guarantee of it, by the way. Let me just make that very clear. Because otherwise then we would be claiming that the Bukhari and Muslim are like the Qur'an, when it's not the case. Okay? Um, 
But in principle, once it's there, then you've got to then start to look then for what is being said by the majority of the shurrah, yani, and or the, the commentators and how they understood it and whether there is some people who see it. And in the end, the point is this, that first of all, a question cannot be asked by the layman. Yani, a question which is, which is doubting. There has to be a, has to be a scholar that's yani, doubting. Because I'll tell you why. Because actually layman doubts day and night according to what he sees on the TV today and how he woke up today and you know whether he was fed yani, a good dinner or not. You know what I'm trying to say? Yani, he has no, no empirical standard for what he considers things to be right or wrong. Whereas a scholar, a proper one at least, they will know that what their objection is coming from is not from their desires but rather from other evidences. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Their problem with that possible narration or that possible X is actually because of another Islamic injunction, not because of their own. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And so that gives a lot more confidence to a person to do that investigation into the hadith. And when you see the opposite, then we discredit that person's approach to the hadith. So for example, uh, there's a, a woman who wants to, you know, not doesn't like hijab. And she now wants to now investigate the verse of hijab. We're like, whatever, bro. You know what I'm saying? So, whereas if there is someone who's in niqab and believes in niqab and wants to and follows niqab and she wants to now investigate, is it really true that Ibn Abbas said that one eye should only be left uncovered and as for the direction, this, that, whatever? And she says, I think that's to be honest, doesn't make sense, not from the Prophet, but I want to look, look into it. We don't see an ulterior motive. We don't see a benefit for her. She's actually doing far more than what the hadith would expect anyway, etc., etc., etc. There's no vested interest. There's no subjectivity. So you, you, this is yani, at the initial level. All of that is happening. And once that hurdle has passed and a qualified person has made that objection, then they start then the study. And they will restrict their study according to the authenticity of the hadith. If the hadith has definitely been said from the Prophet ﷺ, then clearly there is a misunderstanding on behalf of the student or the scholar. And they need to now recalibrate their own understanding. Okay? But I want you to know that nothing is safe from being criticized. Every narration is there that, it, that as long as it's done according to these principles, according to the rules then it can be criticized. And as I've always said, and I've said in this class a number of times as well, that whenever you want to try and find an opinion or hold an opinion because you feel it for some reason, you must find a salaf. There must be a precedent for it. So you're looking for someone yani, before you. You're looking for someone... Yani, I'll give an example. One of the examples of, of this was the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ claiming that he said that the person who takes a dirham of riba, then it is like he was involved in 36 acts of zina with his mother in the open. Yeah? So this is a very famous hadith, that, yani, that one dirham of riba, of interest, is worse than 36 acts of zina with your mother in the open. Now, here's the problem. If you're thinking one way, then you're just like, what's wrong with this hadith? This hadith is absolutely fine. It's a very shocking comparison being given to emphasize an unbelievable sin, which Allah has already said that to take in it, to take riba is like declaring war on Allah and His Messenger. So of course, yani, it's, it's serious. On the other hand, a person will say, I fully accept how serious the sin is and we must never ever go into it, we must never ever accept it, and it is the worst of all sins, etc., etc., etc. But wait a minute, our Prophet doesn't speak like that. 
Our Prophet doesn't make vulgar kind of comparisons. Our Prophet does not speak about the mother like that. He is a man of such language where you find actually that very, very yani, reserved. And next, also, also from a philosophical point of view, there's something strange here because the, the, the clearly incest is something which is at the most heinous version. Yani, at all of the illegal sexual intercourse, it's the worst. Past yani, bestiality, past homosexuality, past all other forms, you know, zina outside of marriage, incest, and then with one's mother, and then in the open, and then 36. Yani, what's happening here? We've lost all perspective against one dirham of riba. So, this is what the scholar would say this is nonsense, this is nonsense, this is nonsense, but he will not say it's nonsense. He will have that doubt, and now he, then he'll want confirmation. A scholar will want confirmation. He will not just go on that, he will now want to see that there is something that's supporting him. So what does he want to see? He wants to now find that the senate, the chain of that narration, is actually weak as per traditional sciences. So if you actually now go, and I did this, and you go and make a study, you do find actually that a number of the scholars said that the chain of this hadith is weak. And then if you go further, and you go even further, you will then find even some big scholars, I mean huge scholars in our history, that have even criticized the meaning of the hadith regardless of what they thought about the, the chain or not chain. Normally they will always make the chain clear first. But, uh, you know, I remember when I did a study of this hadith and I published it, I don't know where it is now, but there are scholars that said that the, 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 the way that the Prophet ﷺ is being said to have spoken here It's not possible And guess what The hadith is weak from chain anyway And so therefore you now are victorious And you can now support that position you know what I'm That's what's called an investigation hadith But that person's got to also be ready That when that investigation comes back And that hadith Might not be in Bukhari Might not be anywhere But it is completely sound In terms of its narrators And there's no break in the chain And there's no hidden faults And there's no issues then you've got to then sit down and say, you know what, I did not understand this. Maybe this is some kind of uh, hadith which is an exception to the rule of the Prophet ﷺ. Actually, you know what, there was one time where the Prophet did mention yani, uh, something in a certain way. So maybe it's not so strange for him to say something extreme. And hey, you know what, when you declare war, then surely that's... So you could then you recalibrate your own thinking. That is the scholarly approach to criticizing a hadith, what we call naqtul matan. To actually criticize the matan of a hadith. Did we find anything, Shaz? I don't care who it is. I'm telling you now, if you can't find it, then you're just making my point for me. Sah? I don't think it's there, bro. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't, yani, you know, whenever I've heard about this, I never ever felt comfortable with it. This is This is Meaning, I don't even think it's a hadith. Yeah. Where? Okay, where? Yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah. If you look, it's got no reference in here. This is in uh, the thing of which ayah? No, no, that's not an ayah. So this is in the tafsir of Surat. Uh, okay, Al Hashar. Okay. I think it's a tafsir of Surah Hashar. I mean, that's from Hashar. But, uh, no, I, I, okay, just bring it down. Let me just read what it says. So, uh, and two other, so Ikrama and two other fighters were offered water when they were injured during the Battle of Al Yarmouk. 
and each one of them said that the sip of water should be given to another of the three wounded men. They did so even though they were badly injured and craving water. When the water reached the third man, he uh, 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 and the other two died, and none of them drank any of the water. May Allah be pleased with them and make them pleased with him. Al-Bukhari recorded Abu Huraira said, A man came to the Prophet and said, oh, Ya Rasulullah, poverty has struck me. And then the, the Prophet sent a messenger to his wives, but they said that they had nothing. And then Allah's messenger said, Who will invite this person? Uh, or entertain him as a guest tonight. May Allah grant his mercy to the person who does so. So I just want you to know two things. Now reading that narration again. Number one, it didn't say Bukhari, but maybe it is. We need to find out. Okay. Number two, my immediate explanation for that narration, now reading it again right now, is that it is an absolute must that none of them knew they were going to die as a result of giving the water to the other person. And that's a simple explanation for it. You get what I'm saying? Right? Even in that English translation, we didn't even see the Arabic there, it indicates that a person basically was wanting it, but he wanted his brother to drink first. Now that's fine. You get what I'm saying? That's fine. But Yani, you are going to 100% die. You are going to 100% die, and you know that that water is going to save you. And you have this water. That's difficult difficult to understand that a person then has the ability to save themselves okay and then actually decides to save someone else okay with not knowing for certain that that's going to happen or not that's the problem here because it's not like any the injection of life it's a glass of water for crying out loud right so that's even worse that's even worse so if you take the water out of the equation and say that it's actually for comfort and friendship and honor and... No, no, what I meant was they're not dying because they're not drinking water, they're dying because of the battle. Uh, that could be another explanation. That could be another explanation. That's also a good point. The, the meaning that in the hadith, the reason they're giving the water is the water's not going to save them anyway. Yeah. That's your point. That they're clearly dying because of their wounds or whatever. That's also good. That's also good. Meaning that the water was just a pain reliever. And if I'm going to die painful, then, you know, yep, that's also good. My point is, is that for people to try and establish a point that you are allowed to kill yourself or to har- do haram yourself in order to reduce someone else, I think it cannot be established. I think it cannot be established. Okay, you know what? I thought that we would finish it all. But to be honest, that was, I think, quite a bit. <laughs> I made my point I'm keeping the thawb If you are that thick enough To give me that thawb yeah, Then I am keeping it Because man's got to be covered It's, it's an extreme example it's, it's an extreme example It was your example Yara. I, I, I Yeah I mean I can't believe That you're dissing me For an extreme example The one that you gave By the way I will see this out of simple No one's got any clothes What should we do? My man comes with this 10 people 1 cloth yani, Whatever Turned it into like a no deal game or whatever it's called. I don't know what's happening. I'm a simple guy. You, know? you just made it way, way too exciting. Shadow <laughs> Tiger. Sheikh Abba Hadith, you mentioned about, and I said off the topic about Riba. Sheikh Al Bani, he authenticated Sahih. He said what? Sheikh Al Bani said what? He said Sahih. That's right. He did authenticate this Hadith. And that shows yani, one of the weaknesses of Sheikh uh, Al Bani. Alayhi rahmatullah. He often yani, authenticates a Hadith even though. The text has been criticized. He's like, you know, he's a traditionalist in that, in that, in that way. Right, so let's look at some of the questions uh, here and then online. Let's look online first of all. Uh, that is, yeah, so, so Asya gave the same uh, example, but no reference. 
someone can find a reference to it in English or Arabic, then that'd be good. If there's a group of people in such circumstances, would the imam then have priority of any clothing and whatever? And I think I've answered that. I don't think that the imam automatically gets priority. Whoever takes it, I think they get priority. Blatantly. Or whoever picks it up, that's it. And obviously, you know, if now, if there was one in the middle and one hasn't picked it up and everyone's still naked, now that's a bit different. Because to take it, all of them now are the same. Does that make sense? So at that point, saying, okay, the imam should take it, I think the imam should take it. The imam is the imam, not just because he's in front, but because he's the most respected, he's the most followed, he should be the one to be looked after the most. You know what I'm saying? The one who's at the front always should be looked after the most. <laughs> Open his sweets up. Yeah, I'm so hungry. Kassam, man. What, you guys don't even get... Uh, three times I've tried to drop the hint. No, don't, 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 don't. Oh my goodness. You know, let me tell you guys something, okay? By the way, we have very, very good news. We have very, very good news. Even though this is not going to happen on camera, we are going to have a, uh, a shahada today, mashallah, uh, of a brother who has been involved with us for a long time now. And so we're very, very happy. As you guys know, don't know what you're all looking at me for. Don't look at me. I'm just taking my favorite ones out, that's all. Okay? So we have... We have... Uh, uh, right. That's you lot. Okay? No, no, because there's a lot of people here, okay? Catch, catch. Don't be scared of it. It's not going to kill you, man. All right, there you go. Okay, we've got, we've got more. Shut up, look here, you can... Right, anyway, listen. So this is what happens to all the people who are saying it's not worth going to LP. It's always <laughs> worth going to LP. Okay? So, the khushibat is, we are... There are many reasons to celebrate, by the way. Many reasons. Okay? We're back in town. That's the first reason. Second reason, because we're having a shahada today of my friend, who is very, very good. And that's a good reason. Third, Peshawar Zalmi Yani took what was rightly theirs. Bismillah, mashallah. Yeah? And number third, third reason. Number fourth, Shahid Afrid is confirmed as the worst player in history. Yeah? I'm telling you, Yara. I don't know why he got us to the finals. He contributed in getting us to the finals. But that's a thingy. You know, I got so excited, I thought that was actually good ones. Black ones. Yeah? And I just read it and it says extra dark, <laughs> which is extra no, basically. <laughs> They're the healthy ones. I want to tell you guys, okay, I still want to answer questions. I don't want anyone to leave the lesson, okay? The other good news is that my, um, we have a class this weekend, okay? We have a class this weekend. And. Okay, I'll give them some, don't worry. The <laughs> other. Um, the other no no send send it around send it around the other uh, good news here so we have the fitna in Bradford okay and that's yani one of the last times fitna will be being taught in the certainly in the very in the near future for a long time in actual fact uh, so that's Bradford this weekend and uh, the Omra group that I'm taking on the sixth of April it closes on Friday there have been uh, five six I think six places left so uh, actually it closed last week but we increased it. So that's that. And so if you want to uh, join, then you have to be super, super quick. Okay? We're going to come back to this. So bring up the questions again. And, um, and I think that's uh, it in terms of announcements. Yeah? 
Huh? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Take it. Right. Okay. So. Right. Should a person pray naked while standing if they are certain of being low? Yes. Yeah. Come down, Chas. Anyone here? Anyone have questions here? Yeah. Okay, you, mashallah. You, you. <laughs> Go on. Your mouth is at least empty. Go on. I don't think so. And it's a very good question. No question stupid. Brother said that I heard somewhere that if you steal food when you're starving, you're forgiven, which you are. Okay? Obviously, only that which will keep you alive, of course. So is it okay the same here? And the answer is no, because to keep yourself alive is not the same as protecting your aura. Simple as that. I think we discussed this a couple of weeks back. I think. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm talking about how to send out the prayer. Yeah. How do we, how do we work this out with people sending down the prayer? Like, if you send me your name, you first send out the prayer. Alone, so with this guy is alone. Even if you send it, there's people around. Okay, yeah. How to stand up and pray. Yeah. Um, whereas we see a lot of people sending down the prayer. Yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, in this, where do we work out the threshold of praying, standing up or, or sitting down if a person's naked or just in general? So in general, each scenario is very clear. Okay, We only legally have a, a precedent to pray sitting down if a person is praying the sunnah prayer. So, yeah, okay. In terms of the fard, the only time you have that precedent is when you physically cannot stand. Physically cannot stand. Everything else is pure ishtihad. Nothing else has been mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ according to my knowledge. Everything else is pure ishtihad. So let me repeat that again. If you physically can't stand, then you physically can't stand. You're disabled, or if you stand up, he falls down again, or he's, you know, whatever. Everything else is in then the decision of a mufti giving permission to a person because of the harm that's being caused by standing. So either too much pain. What is too much pain? Because it does this, does that, does this. Everything is subjective then after that. And you're now dependent upon a scholar now giving you a ruling. And there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. That as time has gone on, we've become very lax in this issue. That shows how serious and important it is. And... That's why, that's why it doesn't matter what kind of fatwa you get. It doesn't matter how many times scholars t- say to you that it's allowed for you to pray sitting down on a plane. You never feel comfortable doing it. We're very grateful for the fatwa. We're very grateful to, you know, to hear the ta'lil, yani, the reasoning behind it. That it's extreme fear and extreme fear causes a paral- paralysis of the mind. And it makes you think of nothing else. Which is all true and right in its right place. And therefore it's allowed, yani, etc. And uh, I think I explained, I don't know in this class, but I explained that the reasoning that they said you can pray sitting down is they used the example of a guy who's on the run from a, a ruler or an authority that is oppressive, that are trying to f- ha- find him, and he's hiding behind the hedge, for example, and the prayer time comes. And they said that this person, if he stands up, 
then he's going to be seen. And is it allowed for this person to pray while sitting down? And the idea is that if he prays standing up, then he gets caught. And when he gets caught, who knows what's going to happen? He's either going to be imprisoned, or he's going to be tortured, or he's just going to be shouted at. The example never it never it never it never finishes. It just says the authorities or a sultan, yani a tyrant. Now we don't know what the tyrant is going to say or do, but basically because of that extreme fear, the fuqaha back then said the person can pray sitting down. So then they made the qiyas upon that, and they said, therefore today, when a person yani, on a plane, he knows if he stands up, there's some yani, air marshal is going to stand up and cap him in the head. Yeah, He's going to say, terrorist, whatever. Who knows? Now, whether that's, tr- whether that's true or not true, yani, obviously, you know, our fear nowadays is so much that we just want to believe it's true. And then add the whole kind of, you know, just deen and pressure and everything, and then people are just looking for that answer. So the whole thing is a mess. I, I have to say I agree with you. I think it's a very important reminder that when the, you know, just as we spoke about the imam and people praying next to him, the same, if you see such a focus on them still making a person pray, even though he's naked and potentially could be embarrassed, whatever, then what about the way that we just take it so lackadaisically, so without any concern in the world, okay? At the same time, I just want to make it very clear that uh, I don't want to... Uh, you know, destroy the fatwa of sitting down because otherwise I'm dead. Yes. And there's a first fatwa on four Because some people, what they do is like they do the first one standing, yeah, and then the three sitting down because of the tiredness and so on. Yeah, no, and it's for the entire prayer. A person who can stand has to stand for the whole prayer, and. A person who can't stand, we tell that person, what is it that you can't stand for? We don't say, oh, just sit down. And as you said, which majority of people make the mistake, they walk into the masjid, they're absolutely fine. So what the heck are you sitting down for? Yeah, now if you say that I need to sit down, okay, then you sit down. But you don't start sitting down. You start standing, because that's how you walked in. You were standing, you're standing now, and start standing. And then when you feel like your problem is now got to the level of the problem... And sit down, but not like what Pax do, which is sit down right at the beginning, which is unacceptable. So I've heard about leaning as well before you sit down, you can lean to the wall, like you know. Yeah, that, 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 you know that, that, that's that's a matter of difference, Yani. You know, uh, I will come to that in its right place because the issue of of leaning is a difficult one. Some people said that leaning is neither standing or sitting. So what are you doing? So you should be sitting down. A person who needs to lean is a person who can't stand. And if you can't stand, you should sit down. There's no third, there's no third position. That's the argument. Yeah. I've heard that um, some people say that like, even if you're allowed to sit down, you're not meant to sit on a chair, you're meant to sit on the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's another thing, Yani. The asal is the floor. The asal is not a chair. We're getting into a big thing now. Don't, 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 don't get me started. Is it possible to say that we are creating the prayer to be more of a burden than a blessing when we create these rare scenarios and what should be done in them? In the Quran, we learn that Allah is most merciful and that He wants to make this deen easy rather than hard. And when we look at the verse of prayer and to dress in the best way when we approach the prayer, shouldn't this be, shouldn't this be enough evidence for us to lighten 
and less burden approach these situations. I mean, first of all, uh, uh, absolutely, you know, the prayer is a blessing and not a, a burden. And no doubt we should keep that in mind. Absolutely, that's fine. But I do also want to say that these are not rare scenarios. Yeah, honey, these are not rare scenarios. Yeah, sometimes we can lose our minds and talk about hypothetical situations, but that's not hypothetical. There are people who don't have clothes. And there are people who are having disasters all the time. Yeah, honey, you know, I just want to, you know. Now, there's a big difference between, you know, someone might say that, ah, oh, you're in an explosion and you're, all your clothes get burnt off and you're worried about the prayer. No, I'm not. If a person's in an explosion and we send him to the hospital and he doesn't pray for the next two weeks, he doesn't pray. That's the mercy and that's the blessing. That's fine. We're talking about a person who's normal and alive and fit and healthy and the prayer time's coming. He's got no clothes. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and it's not as crazy as it may, as it may sound. Uh, so it was narrated. I'm just going to read it in English, okay? Uh, and the, this is on the screen, yeah? Put it on the screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Subhanallah. Look at this. I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but look at look how Allah yani, he aids the people. It was narrated to us that Hadith ibn Hisham said that Ikram ibn Abi Jahl wa Ayyash ibn Abi Rabi'ah were, were wounded on the day of Yarmouk. And, and so Hadith called him and فَنَظَرَ إِلَيْهِ إِكْرَمَ فَقَالِ إِدْفَعُوا إِلَيْهِ إِلَى إِكْرَمَ فَدَفَعَ إِلَيْهِ فَنَظَرَ إِلَيْهِ عياش بن أبي ربيعة فقال إكرم أدفعوا إلى عياش فما وصل إلى أحد منهم حتى ماتوا جميعا وما ذاقوا يعني basically what we just read before that إكرم then looked at uh, 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 got the water and he looked at عياش and then he saw عياش بن أبي ربيعة also يعني suffering so he put the water towards him and then عياش did the same to the إكرم and it did not, the water didn't get to any single one of them until actually all of them died and none had actually tasted it. The narrator of this narration is Khabib ibn Abi Thabit. Khabib ibn Abi Thabit. The muhaddith who collected this narration is Al Haythami. The book that he collected it in is Majmal Zawaid. Okay? And the position of the muhaddith and this is not a modern one but this is the position of al-haythami himself he said fihi khabib lam yudrak al-yarmuk wa fihi isnadihi man lam a'rifuhu i mean it's a disaster from the beginning first of all uh, khabib wasn't even at yarmuk and secondly he said that there's a person in the chain i don't even know who he is so there you go i'm vindicated but before i'm vindicated I need to check, make sure there's no other versions of the hadith. But I think there isn't. I think there isn't. Yeah. Regardless of the, the chain and everything, the meaning of it, I think maybe I'm not understanding because my understanding was that the Sahaba would do that. They would give up something for the other. So are we saying that if we were in a situation where we thought that we were going to die and something could possibly save us but we give back to another, are we saying that's something sinful? Would that not be something we would I think if a person is going to die because of something... Yeah, any water. Let's say a person knows if I do not drink this water, I'm going to die. Okay. I do not think it is permissible for a person to then refuse that water. 
now you can build the rest of the story around that as you wish. That in no way goes against the principle of favoring others over yourself, uh, being generous, being charitable, etc., etc. That, of course, is the bedrock of this religion. Okay? And that's, of course, where, why Ibn Kathir, he quoted this. Uh, he quoted this in tafsir of, what's the ayah? That they give the, the wealth يعني, uh, uh, freely, even they themselves have a specific need for it. Okay, so this is the tafsir of that verse. There's no contradiction here. Because to give generously, to give يعني, other people, to prefer other people is of course the sunnah. But that's not the scenario if you are going to die. It's not permissible to kill yourself. That's different. That's that's a little bit different. In that, in that, one is not guaranteed death. Yeah. Okay. To be wounded does not necessarily mean that you die. Okay. And number two, the issue of battle is different. Without yani, you know, saying things that would get me locked up for the next fifty years. There's some there's differences. Uh, okay. I think we're done in the questions there, no? In a disaster situation, when one is naked and is offered clothes lent to them, would it be obligatory for them to accept these clothes irrespective of conditions? Yeah, yani, the, the, the other conditions of, 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 of pictures and this and that would, would not be yani, uh, would not cause a problem here. I just want to clarify the class provision on that. It says lend in the... In the, in the yes. Lend, get, or an ask is obligatory. No, what we want to, so, no, no, Yani, so let's make it clear what our class position is. That if, yeah, lent, gift, you asking, you borrowing, all of it is obligatory, obligatory. unless there is a clear harm. What if he says, you can have this though, but uh, once you're back in position, I want your car. Everybody. That's haram. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah, he doesn't do haram. Yeah, yeah. The discussion's only even there for him to be able to find a way out because we know that this person is not sinful, whatever happens. So why would he now take another haram kind of condition, if that makes sense? Okay, guys, I think we're done. Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka allahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.